Hi, this is Tamsin Granger. This is Dan Abuhoff. With Tamsin and Dan read the paper on Sunday, August 28th, 2022. Happy birthday, Sadie. It's, it's easy to remember the date. August 28th. Sadie Eleanor Abuhoff. Remember the day she was born. You remember that, don't you? Yep. I do indeed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, I thought we were looking forward to September baby. Now that I'm thinking about it. But in any event... August twenty eighth. Happy birthday, Sade. Yeah, I think I, I think I had a. I remember the story now. Yeah. A little early. You were there for the examination, and I think on the way out into the parking lot, things started to happen. Isn't that right? Um. You're nodding. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. We don't have I mean, to go into the Yeah, detail. we don't have to go into detail. Yeah. But I did not. Uh, I did. I was in Princeton, and did not make it back to Cranberry till I actually had a baby girl in my arms. That's right. Well, that was a good day. That was a, long that was day. a very good day. Yeah. All right. So, uh, speaking of good days, we went on a field trip this week. Right. We went to uh, upstate New York. I think that's fair. Well, we also went to Massachusetts. That's true. We went we, all the way we to We went to four different states uh, in 24 hours. Now, now it's sounding like a big deal. But yes, I guess that's all true. Well, I had read a review of uh, Little Night Music production, Sondheim. Right. Musical. And that was in the Barrington Stage Company in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. First of all, it's interesting that the New York Times reviews productions of the Barrington Stage Company. But it turns out the Barrington Stage Company is kind of a big deal, mm-hmm. which we didn't know. You hadn't heard of them, had you? No, but I had. I knew the music from oh, you Little Night Music. But you didn't know that the, I knew the Barrington show. Stage Company. And uh, I um, was dying to see it. And I had decided a while ago. Yeah. That if it was ever produced anywhere in the general area, that uh, I would go see it. Yeah. And uh, this was pretty much in the general area. It was four hours away. Yeah, maybe less. A little bit less. But uh, yeah, in any event. So we drove up. We went to a Wednesday matinee. Just uh, got in the uh, Mazda at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning or whatever and uh, headed north. And uh, we got there. It's a lovely theater. And we saw... A Little Night Music, which I had never seen. I, too, familiar with music, but had never seen the play. So what did you think? I thought it was great. I yeah. thought it, uh, you know, it was kind of amazing. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And uh, it was worth the trip. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, definitely worth the trip. I mean, it was great. Um, and, uh, you know, when you listen to the music of a musical and you hear it many times over the years, in your own mind, you kind of settle on you know, what the action's probably like. Or but you make up the story for yourself. Right. And, and you can do pretty well. You can approximate it, but you certainly don't get any nuance and it doesn't really uh, approach the level of a full-blown, well-crafted play. And this was a full-blown, well-crafted play. I thought the play was great. I thought it was funny when I asked you at uh, halftime what you thought. And you said, this is great. This is, this is incredible. As if you were shocked. You know? Yeah, well, it, it, truth is... Um, and you, were, you weren't talking about the singing. You were talking about yeah. the quality of the production. Play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, look, the singing was great, but I expected that. But I didn't know how clever and interesting the play was. Not all the Sondheim plays are, and the majority of them are. Uh, but uh, a, a not a significant minority of them are not. And uh, this was really interesting, and it, and it was well... Uh, done complete combination of uh, 
music and play uh, to a, a very high degree of effectiveness as any Sondheim play, in, to my mind. I mean, yeah. it was right up there. And it, so we should mention the, uh, well, first of all, Sondheim, but the play is by Hugh Wheeler. And it's based... You mean on, the book? The book, yes. Yeah. And it's based on a movie, uh, an Ingmar Bergman movie, called The Smiles of a Summer Night, which I looked up. Apparently it was in 1955. And I, I had a vague notion that it was based on Smiles of a Summer Night, but what I didn't fully appreciate was how well thought of that movie was. Mm-hmm. And so I was directed to uh, like an AFI slash Time Magazine list some 10 years ago with 100 Greatest Films of All Time, and that included, guess what, Smiles of a Summer Night. Uh, so not an obscure Bergman movie, not an obscure movie at all. Right. Um, and uh, starred Emily Skinner. Uh, J- who we've seen in things, Jason Daniele, who we've seen in things, Sierra Bogus, who I'm sure doesn't like to be remembered as the original L- Little Mermaid, but that's what she was. Uh, Mary Beth Peel was great in this, and was forever known as the Hermione Gingold part of the old, established, uh, experienced, what's the word we're looking for, courtesan? Uh, is that the wrong word? Not courtesan. Not really. Uh, but experienced woman. Um mm-hmm. And uh, it was just fantastic, really fantastic, as good as anything we've seen in quite some time, or in the top echelon of things we've seen in quite some time. Fair enough? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely and worth it. Yeah, there's no point in going through the story, story no, no, the plot no. or anything. It's, no. not, it's not like it's a fascinating plot. It's more, um, it captures, um, you know, I, I guess people's... Uh, Views of life and their re- relationships, yeah. and uh, you know the the changes over time, right. and looking back, right. and you know, you know what that sounds hesitating like? to look forward. Yeah, it sounds like, sounds like a Bergman movie when you put it that way. That's exactly what that well, sounds. It sounds like. like a lot of uh, good art. Yeah, character driven, <laughs> uh, kind of insightful, nuanced uh, study. Yeah, I thought uh, you were going to say sounds like the bear. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. When they because, do the musical, because we keep saying it's not about the story. When it's they do the musical, the Bar- will be Barrington uh, Stage no, Company. Barrington Stage Company. Just a minute on that because I didn't wasn't aware of it. Very nice, Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Nice theater. I'd say five hundred people. I understand they have two theaters there. Uh, they've had an artistic director named Julianne Boyd who's just stepping down after some thirty years. They well, see, she founded the company. Yeah, she's she, and it's been highly successful apparently. And if you look at the kind of things they do, I mean, they were doing. Uh, waiting for Godot in, in their other theater that evening. I mean, it sounds like a real theatrical powerhouse. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I guess uh, maybe we'll take a drive up there again. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we do. And we also took advantage of being up north because we stopped in uh, Hudson. That's where well, you always out. hear about the Hudson Valley. We've, we've had a couple trips in the area. Yeah. and uh, But, of course, uh, New Yorkers have been... Summering yeah. up that way since you know for hundreds of years. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a beautiful drive, and we did uh, en route. We stopped at a terrific little diner in Red Hook, mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. Right? It was very authentic. Oh, it was great. Um, friendly place yeah. with good food, and uh, we. Um, as you said, went to the play. On the way back, we drove through Hudson and yeah. stopped there for dinner. 
They had great restaurants in Hudson. Yeah. We, yeah there was we a wonderful a restaurant. We sat at the bar. It yeah. was great. And uh, it, you know what was great about that restaurant? Uh, they had an extensive offering of half bottles of wine. And you say nobody has that. I, I never see it. But yeah, I mean, not that I get out that much. But yeah. um, you you know, with you drinking beer and yeah. me drinking wine and, uh, you know, it's, it's always tricky uh, ordering a glass of wine. Mm. You don't know what you're getting. You don't, don't know how it's been stored, what kind of shape it's in. So right. what's the point? Um, to be able to uh, choose from all these uh, half bottles um, was uh, kind of, I thought, sophisticated and smart. <laughs> well, they had and, uh, they, the food was good. Really yeah. interesting food, actually. And the uh, they had a good beer selection, honestly. Yeah. And then, so, and, and then driving, driving back, we stopped and bought some beer, which is always a plus. They had some local beers that I've tried. Well, we did go. We, we stayed at kind of a funky... Hotel Motel. Yes, from 1959. And um, they recommended a local store to get breakfast sandwiches right. in. So I was expecting some little, you know, convenience store deli place with a gas station. And actually, it looked like, you know what it was like? Uh, it reminded me of the shop uh, the guys open in Schitt's Creek. You know, you remember how Schitt's Creek oh, is yeah. just oh, oh, really? a nothing little really? town. Yeah, a little and they And, and they... Place. Open this uh, fancy, store fancy that's very upscale. Pharmaceutical. The yeah. products are very upscale. That's what this was. It was food, right. but it was all very upscale. Yeah. Clearly for the clientele, the other New Yorkers right. um, visiting well, in the area, it had that feeling. But everybody was really nice. It was really friendly. It was, it was like a lovely a, place. A Martha's Vineyard supermarket. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, but it did make me think like I was in a. TV show somewhere, and then a little and bit, we and then to, we headed south to Poughkeepsie, and we went uh, across the walkway over the Hudson, which is a walk a pedestrian bridge that spans across the Hudson. It's there for walkers and bikers. Yeah, it was converted from an old railroad bridge, right? A few years ago, and it's long. It's it, like a mile long. It, it, yeah, literally a mile long. And, and you walk both ways. And it's so. a glorious view, yeah. and it's a fun walk. People are biking, people are running, jogging, walking, you know, but not, got babies but it's not in. crowded. It's not no. crowded. Well, it wasn't crowded the day we went because it was like 110 degrees. Well, it was, yeah, okay. here's the interesting thing. It, it was super hot. It wasn't 110 degrees, like 92 degrees. But they had a sign up that said, <laughs> no, no, they had a sign up that said, when it's in the low 90s, on the bridge, it's over 100 degrees. And the reason they had that sign up, was they said, do not bring your dog on this bridge. Well, the surface gets very hot. Uh, I just think everything was, and it was hot. It, it, you were, it, so, you, um, so you are right about the 100 degrees <laughs> yeah. to the extent that when you're was, walking. It, it was very hot. But I bet, I bet there's a real crowd when it's uh, leaf season. Yeah, and it's not 100 degrees. Yeah, yeah. I bet uh, it's not easy, easily done. But so we but had, he, it was, he was nothing. I mean, there's a little parking lot. You get out, say, really? Where's the pedestrian bit over there? You know, there's not no. Well, I think there, the, I think it has bigger to do on the Poughkeepsie side. Maybe. We we got on the Highland yeah. side. Yes. But anyway, in 24 hours, we had quite a little yes adventure. Yes, we did. So there's also and and you know. We heard people once in a while speak in a breathless way about Rhinebeck. We were asking about Rhinebeck. Which was well, you, we you were, were thinking about no, Rhinebeck because you had known people from Rhinebeck. But we were actually, we were walking along and this 
guy just kind of says, out of nowhere, turns to us and says, you know, you should go to the Dutchess County Fair. It's right. really wonderful. Right. It's really great. Yeah. And then on the way back, we heard some other people talking about something. And they were talking about the fair, too. And they said, uh, so we joined in their conversation. And they highly recommended going to the Dutchess County Fair. Right. I said, is there food? And they went, <laughs> oh, my oh. God. Oh my god! Although you know, I looked at the website. I wasn't that excited. I think it was Rhinebeck. They said a great food, but they just said the Dutchess County Fair was interesting, which I don't doubt. But we didn't quite make it there. But uh, maybe next year. I don't know. Uh, it just runs for a week, uh, August twenty fourth. That's, that's, so, li- that's a Sondheim, Sondheim what? line. What? Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Is it from this show or from a different? Yeah, show? from oh. bringing the clowns. Yeah, sending the clowns. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe next year. That's true. True. I'm hooked on the, on the show. So, uh, But you had something else about a county fair, I think. Well, no, not a county fair. Minnesota mm. State Fair. Oh, They have replaced me. their butter sculptor. Really? Okay. Everybody, you know. Jerry Coulter yeah. is uh, going to take over for Linda Christensen, who I think has had the job uh, for like 40 or 50 years. Yeah. She's 80. So she's uh, turning in her... Um, she can't cut it anymore? She can't cut it anymore. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he's he been working as an apprentice. He was chosen. And he actually replaced her once before during COVID. Oh, okay. Because she was stranded in California and couldn't get to Minnesota to do the, mm. the butter sculpture, mm. the sculptures. Yeah. Um, so he's tried, tested... Um, and ready to roll. Why is this in the front page of a section of the New York because Times? Because in Minnesota, it's a big deal. They they have the Princess K of the Milky Way um, is chosen for the fair. Yeah. Okay. And he does her portrait bust. In butter. In butter. Mm. And he works in a... It's salted butter. Apparently, salted butter sculpts better than unsalted, just so you know. Yeah. And he sculpts it in... A like a viewing case in a giant, you know, clear refrigerator yeah, that he's sitting in with right. her. Yeah, you know, and she meanwhile is running in and out because she's got interviews because right. she's a star. Can't work. She's a celebrity. Huh? Yeah. You know, right? And uh, he's working away, and uh, they're both on kind of a timeline, and uh, so it's it's a big big deal. There's a special knife that was purchased many years ago. The Salvation Army store or something, a secondhand store, uh, by Mrs. Ms. Christensen, and she's handed him the knife. And uh, you know, this year's winner, Brenna Connolly, has been dreaming of being one of the girls in the butter booth for years. And in fact, uh, you know, there have been other people in her family who have also been. Uh, K of the Milky Way. Okay, so girl in the butter booth means the uh, subject of the sculpture. Yeah, oh, she's, okay. a, she's the one you're watching. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Good. Okay. The girl in the butter booth. That's the suggestive And the, he does the yeah. sculpture. They get to take the sculpture home. They also very, get yeah. the discarded chips in a big bucket. Okay. So okay. they can so, butter their toast? Yes. <laughs> and uh, some people consume the butter. Some people actually buy a special refrigerator put it on display save the chips 
Um, no, just to the the, the bust, oh. the bust. And uh, I think uh, Ms. Connolly, um, uh, this year's winner, actually used some of her butter. Uh, she dug it into the back of her bust yeah. uh, for some butter to use on her brother, her younger brother's graduation pancake breakfast. Okay. Listen, I, so, I could see... But apparently this it. is a thing. There you must know, be something you can spray there, on. There are sisters, daughters, yeah. you know, families that uh, get what, into this. Wouldn't you think there's a spray that you can spray on it and preserve it or something? No. No? No. What if you made a cast out of it? And, uh, it must Fine. be some... You know, the whole excitement is that it's butter. Okay? You're in dairy country and yeah. it's butter. Yeah. Okay? okay. And, it, you Salted know... Salted butter. It's actually probably more interesting that it's not permanent mm. that yeah. it is kind of an ephemeral and yet I bet a lot of people artwork. struggle to keep it permanent I bet there's you know, a lot of effort that's put in kind of like life it. here today gone tomorrow oh, okay it's, here we go so speaking of that we saw the Leonard Cohen movie the Leonard Cohen movie what is that the Leonard Cohen movie is a movie called Hallelujah Leonard Cohen A Journey a song. Yeah, you talked about that a few weeks ago, I think. Yeah, well, we went and saw it. That's the kind of people we are. We follow through. Uh, we went, we put down our money, and we saw this documentary, uh, ostensibly about how Leonard Cohen wrote the song Hallelujah, but uh, really as much as anything about Leonard Cohen, honestly. And I right. think, think that Hallelujah was sort of a hook. Maybe more people heard of Hallelujah than heard of Leonard Cohen. It, it, it gave a, a frame for telling his story, right. I think. And so we didn't learn everything about him. We learned quite a bit. Yes. It's not like the you movie. Learn, you learn about his uh, process, you know, what's on his mind, well, loves his, of his life. His spiritual quest. His, uh, his, you know, his business ups and downs. Yes, his, his spiritual quest. He was quite a spiritual person, a searcher, looking for meaning in life, looking for meaning in relationships. Uh, and uh, I thought it was kind of a, a magnetic presence. Uh, then you, I mean, obviously it's filled with clips of interviews with him at various points talking about his life and his work. Uh, hyper-articulate, I think fairly described as a deep thinker. You're, 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 you're waving at me. You're not... You're not well, I mean, he talks a lot. Not everything <laughs> he says makes sense. Right. And I think his songs are famous for that, right? right. There's, you they're know, ambiguous. They're, they're ambiguous. Yeah. He's a little ambiguous. He's very ambiguous. He's very unclear. He's very vague. But he right. would say... So how is that articulate? He, I, I think no, no, of somebody no. who's articulate well, no, no. is somebody who can he, express he, themselves. Well, no, no, no. Clearly. He's articulate. That, yes, I think the interviews, he expresses himself He's clearly. very verbal. <laughs> He expressed himself clearly. I mean, you want to, you're not judging Oscar Hammerstein's articulateness and the fact that, you know, I'm in love with a wonderful guy sounds right. I mean, articulateness, I'm talking in terms of talking, in terms of being able to respond to people. He's asked questions. He gives good answers to those questions. That's what I mean. Uh, in terms of, you know, his ability as a, a lyric writer, as a songwriter, I mean, and your attractiveness to the songs. Uh, I mean, I like them, but I can't say I like all of them. Uh, matter of fact, Hallelujah is not my favorite. I can think of three or four Leonard Cohen songs that I like better than Hallelujah. Um, but um, anyway, we I, I don't know much about uh, Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I was familiar with the song Hallelujah, but I didn't know it had such 
such a long history. It took him a long and time. It was, <laughs> and that it's, it history involves not everybody even knowing that it had anything to do with Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Right? And uh, there well, was some it's, it's, sort of uh, you know, people... to do about uh, getting it released yeah. in the U.S., and so on and It so wasn't forth. considered commercial enough, uh, so it wasn't released when it might have been released. And then it was picked up by various people along the way. And when people picked it up, including this, this one fellow, uh, Buckley. Uh, Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley, who we weren't familiar with, but apparently he made the first popular recording of it uh, sometime. Um, people, and then he happened to pass away at a young age. Uh, then they showed a, a clip of Bono performing it. And he says at the end of it, he credits uh, Jeff Buckley as pretty much as the writer of the song because people had no idea where it actually came from. I mean, he's just an interesting figure. I think you conceded in a weak moment he was extremely good looking. Well, he had his moments. Yeah. Uh, and people have a hard time describing his craft. He's compared with Dylan. Uh, one guy, one guy who had interviewed him many times said his songs were a combination of holiness and horniness. Uh, or a, a higher plane description might be between sort of the ethereal and the commonplace. And I think that is kind of what he was trying to do uh, in the song, to sort of connect that, because he seemed to be strongly impressed in kind of interesting ways by both the ethereal and the commonplace. That's as far but anyway, the movie's worth, the documentary's worth watching. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, I mean, it was well I'm done. recommending it. It was well done. And... Um, you know, for both people, you are a big admirer. I'm less so, but uh, you know, when I was flailing about trying to look up a few things about him recently, um, and about that album that how Louis was on that he um, that Columbia dis disdained yeah, something position did not deign yeah, to right. uh, release release um, dancing. Uh, Dancing to the end of time. To, to the end of time. To the end of love. From that. To the end of love. Sure. The end of love. Was from on that, that album, album also. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Well, all right. So here's here's the kicker. Yeah. He wrote that with the Holocaust in mind. Yes. Okay. And you gave that to me for our anniversary. Did I? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't remember <laughs> that exactly. I mean, again, the songs are around the time when he. Just a few years ago, around the time when he was releasing uh, um, an album called "You Want It Darker," yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen, there are some great so, Cohen songs. I, I know, I, I get your point. It wasn't lost. It's a little kind of dark, but, but we should say the best recording of that is Madeline Peru, and and uh, that's the other interesting thing. A lot of the best recordings of his songs, not by him, although you know he has an interesting voice. But an interesting performer. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, interesting on the documentary watching him. Yeah. So. No, highly recommended. So you had something about swimming. Did you find that article? Yes, I did. Well, let's let's get into it. <laughs> um, no, just you know, uh, we, lo we love to do open water swimming um, at Block Island, and uh, so does Lori King, who recently swam from Block Island to Montauk. Okay. If you if you go as the crow flies, yeah. it's only about 11 miles. But because of the currents, yeah. she had to swim at least, it was about 23.5. 
Well, that's the way miles. When we swim on Block Island, I kind of zigzag a little bit. I think we get it like twenty-three miles. Well, she did this big loop, mm, right. and uh, she's forty-seven, and uh, this is what she does. She's a marathon swimmer. She's sw- she's swum farther than that. She did a swim in Hawaii that I think was like twenty-six miles or something. Mm. And um, but anyway, she's surrounded by. She's got two boats, front and the back, a kayak oh, on either side. Got very exciting. At a certain point, three quarters of the way through, they saw a shark circling her. Of course, and they kind of uh, they didn't tell her. Her handlers or her helpers didn't tell her, but they kind of maneuvered themselves so they were kind of a wall between her and the shark, and uh, they just kept going. Mm. And you know, and there were all kinds of things. I mean, it's just uh, she did. It's not about being able to swim; it's about being able to uh, withstand, you know, the cold, you know, um, and the sharks, (laughs) and Uh, everything else that goes. I wonder where, where she started. But uh, I don't, I, it, it looks must... like she started at Old Harbor. Okay. All right. Okay, which would make sense. All right. Okay, and so she's got to be certified. Uh, but if she is certified, so there were there were two people from you know the Marathon Swim Federation or something. They're observing her and and making notes and everything. Yeah. If certified, she's the first person to do this. Oh, and you said sorry. I thought you meant she had to be certified insane to do this, but that's not what you meant. That's hilarious. You you must have been up pretty late thinking up that. I just one. thought of it. I just got it. You just got it. She wow. was certifiably. Wow. Uh, all right. So speaking of swimming, there's an article. Uh, believe it or not, called "It's Never Too Late to Take to the Pool," but not about swimming. It's about water polo. An 86 year old in California admits he's not particularly good at water polo, but that's not the point. Mark Braley uh, lives in Davis, California. He took up water polo at the age of 76. He's still playing at the age of 86. He's on a co-ed team consisting of 40 players. And he's uh, loving it. He's loving it. Uh, He says, of all the experiences he's ever had, water polo has been the greatest adventure. I know he says he loves it. The picture of him, he looks a little grim. He's tired. And he's (laughs) tired. His water polo is tired. Anyway, he he says he likes the, uh, you know, he likes the... uh, Camaraderie. He says he loves the camaraderie as much as the sport. He's kind of, you know, they don't dig deep into his personality here. He looks like he's, you get a sense that he's kind of always been a little bit of a lonely guy, possibly. Uh, But he's really, uh, and he says something like he hasn't never been involved in a group activity like this. But he says he's benefiting mightily from it, not just from the physical exercise, which obviously is substantial. But as you say... Just the thrill of doing something new and different and doing with a group of people who he didn't know and now he gets to know in a different way. Uh, so he's definitely benefiting from that. Well, right? he also writes a column. Yes. About water polo but, and master swimming. Yeah. You know, keeps him in the... Right. Well, here's the way he puts it. It's been wonderful to share this unique bond that we have in common. This is the team and unites us. I felt like I didn't belong much of my life. I don't feel that way. With these people, they represent an acceptance I've been missing. So that's why I say what I said a moment ago, which is all good. But here's what I, that might be the most interesting thing to me that he said. He said, uh, and, and oh, oh, by the way, I, I, I should say, in this connection, I was going to mention David Brooks, for the Times had written an op-ed piece, which said your social life is not what it should be. And he's saying talking to strangers can be a lot more enjoyable than you expect. 
And and probably more dangerous than David Brooks expects. I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if that's really the best way. What he's really trying to say, David Brooks is saying that you should reach out and find opportunities uh, to talk to people outside your regular circle. Like when we go to a bar or something like that, we strike up conversations with people at the bar. He says that's quite satisfying and beneficial. You find yourself in interesting conversations. You know what's weird? What? In the um, digital version of that article, the headline was something like, uh, why don't lonely people all hang out together? Yeah, I see. Okay, so that's so they're getting from it from what I got from it. That's so what, that's what that, it was about. That sounds awful. Well, for that the, sa- the, sounds the David Brooks article or the, or the, the David Brooks. Yeah, and David it Brooks. just sounds tone deaf on his part. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, David Brooks is in some ways interesting. In some ways, totally clueless. So I don't want to dwell on David Brooks. I'm more interested in this guy, Mark Braley. But here's something that he said that really, when I read it a second time, it kind of struck me, and it's. It's an awfully simple point, and yet it's kind of interesting. It's an interview. What have you learned? Um, I just want to read this. What have you learned about yourself through the sport? And here's his answer: that I can accept praise and support and not feel diminished by it. That I can do almost anything if I don't mind not being good at it. Well, I think that's an important lesson. Yeah, I think uh, you know uh, we 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 definitely bring up children to try to excel in everything, right? You know, and uh, and then um, people get burnt out, people quit because yeah. you know I'm not good, I'm not the greatest. You know, if I if I can't be the best, I don't want to do it, and that's rarely the point, right? And as I mean, you get older, at, you understand. Look that, at yeah. us. Look at me. I'm like. The worst cyclist ever. Oh, that's not true. Oh, oh, yeah, it's pretty much true. I think you're a better cyclist than I am, but uh, we, I keep on doing it. You know, I'm not proving anything. I'm yeah. just enjoying myself. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you put aside you know your foolish pride at a certain point in life. At least if you're smart, you do. And and, and you and just have some fun. And you do what's fulfilling for you. And frankly, and if someone says, "Gee, that's great," and they're and they're doing it in a way that's, um, oh, I don't know. Not patronizing, but you know, they're saying, oh, it's oh really yeah, good like, for someone your age. Good for you. Right. And that's what he says that Grandma. I can accept praise and support <laughs> and not feel diminished by yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Whatever. Doesn't care. So uh, he's putting himself out there, is really right. what it comes down to. And he learned to do it when he was 75. So uh, good for him. I hope he has many more years of playing water polo. <laughs> There's time for us to still learn. Yeah, there is. So, um, didn't he have. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's this little thing on, uh, you know, there's a prequel. We don't watch Game of Thrones, so we're not going to watch the prequel, which is House of the Dragon. Uh, a lot of people will, though. And uh, so that's all written by George Martin. So George Martin, you know, this all this fantasy dragon stuff. Um, and he's asked about it. Uh, you know, why did he come up with a prequel? Uh, he's got new characters. He's got new episodes. It's really a spinoff. Uh, so the question is put to him... Is there a model for this? Are you modeling this on Marvel? And he says in this interview with the Times, yeah, Marvel's sort of a model, but another model that I think was interesting was Mary Tyler Moore Show. And you're saying to yourself, what? <laughs> the Mary Tyler Moore Show. He says that show generated a number of spinoffs. There was Rhoda, there was Phyllis, and there was Lou Grant. And Lou Grant was a drama and it wasn't a comedy. They were very good at spinoffs. And so I really uh, was inspired by the Mary Tyler Moore show, which is kind of an odd thing for someone to say. 
But let me tell you something else odd about George Morton, which people lose sight of. George Morton is a tremendous Mets fan. <laughs> An unbelievable Mets fan. And I've seen interviews with him on this YouTube. This is like your... All your dreams come true. Well, An article that has the Mets and Barry Tyler, Tyler Moore. And it's about Game of Thrones. And they, <laughs> they say to him, what have you gotten from the Mets? And he says, well, you know, if you're a Mets fan, you can go to dark places. You know, he, he, <laughs> you understand that side of life. So it's important when all you people out there who watch Game of Thrones, Mets fan, huge Mets fan. All right. So the last thing I just wanted to just caught my eye, actually. Uh, Jerry Allison passed away. He was the drummer who helped start a group called the Crickets with Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly's Crickets being a tremendously successful group at the time, the number one band in the late 50s, for a relatively short period until Buddy Holly was killed in a plane crash. And uh, they have a couple of interesting stories about how, about the way they name things, right? So, you know, their biggest song is called That'll Be The Day. So how did they come up with the song That'll Be The Day? They're watching the movie The Searchers. John Wayne is in the movie and he's looking for, you know, these Native Americans who uh, basically committed some murders or something like that. It's, it's a serious movie. And at one point, Wayne turns to the camera, he says, that'll be the day. And they go, oh, that sounds like a good song. And about 20 minutes later, they've got the song. So there you go. Uh, the uh, Another big song of theirs is called Peggy Sue. And he describes here it's supposed to be Cindy Lou. But he had a girlfriend named Peggy Sue. So at the last minute, he's kind of prevailed on the other guys in the band to rename this, uh, the song Peggy Sue. Mm -hmm. And uh, she married him. So that worked out. For him, at least this is the drummer? Yeah. Okay. And the last point was how they actually named the group. And they said, well, look, Buddy Holly liked an R&B group called The Spiders. And they thought it's cool to name a, a, a band after an insect. So when he and Holly got together one day, thumbing through an encyclopedia's section on insects. And they came up with crickets because they made a happy sound after they rejected beetles. <laughs> Whoa, that <laughs> because, was close. Because they said beetles were something people stepped on. You would never name a group the Beatles. And, and right. the irony is it turns out one of their big followers uh, later on was Paul McCartney who said if there hadn't been a Crickets, there never would have been a Beatles and played backup on one of their albums. So there you go. Full circle. Interesting. Yes, I thought that was interesting. interesting. Okay, so again, happy birthday, uh, Sadie. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, later. Uh, and I know uh, well, there'll be big celebrations uh, uh, post-haste. Uh, but until next week. This is Tamsin Granger. And this is Dan Apuhoff. Tamsin and Dan read the paper. Adios.